Provincial Constable Greg Pershala. You truly are a hero in life. Your sacrifice will never be forgotten. I may have not said it often, but I love you, Greg, and you'll always be my big brother. Good evening. They gathered from across the country by the thousands in what has been an all-too-common scene in this region over recent months. Friends, family, and colleagues have said their final goodbyes to Greg Pershella, an OPP constable who touched the lives of most everyone he encountered. CTV's Austin Delaney joins us now from Barrie and the site of today's funeral. Austin. And what a sad day it was here in Barrie, the police officer's hometown. It's where other officers from the GTA, from around Ontario, from across the country, came to mourn one of their own who was murdered on the side of the road. An eerie silence had fallen over this Barrie neighborhood, broken only by the sounds of pipes and drums. As the police procession made its way to the arena for the funeral of OPP Constable Greg Perchala. Hundreds of OPP here to pay respects to one of their own, killed in the line of duty last week. The leaden skies had opened, the police lights flashed, their reflection bounced off the wet pavement. The cortege made its way to the arena, where officers from across Canada stood at attention, saluting their fallen comrade. Inside the arena, 7,000 uniformed men and women stood in silent prayer. The casket carrying their brother was piped in for a final farewell to a man who dreamed of becoming a police officer at age five, killed on the job at just age 28. On December 27th, a family lost a beloved son and brother. The OPP lost a remarkable constable. The Canadian Armed Forces lost a former reservist. And our province lost a hero. All of us lost the potential of what was yet to come. The Haldeman Detachment Constable was killed in the line of duty, shot while attending a call for a vehicle in a ditch two days after Christmas. Just hours after completing his 10-month probation, this was his first solo assignment. A tragedy, says fellow rookie OPP Constable Jasleen Thompson, who joined in June and stood shoulder to shoulder with her brothers and sisters in blue today. I, I picture how he was feeling that day and how excited he was to finally be signed off on probation and must have been, yeah, I, I lost for words. At the service, he was remembered as a hero. Those who worked alongside him called him exemplary. His brothers and sisters in uniform knew he was rock solid. They knew he could be relied on when it mattered most. In amongst the sea of blue, we find Toronto Constable Jeff Churchill. It is not the first time he marched in honour of a fallen officer. Uh, this is a tough one, Austin. Um, obviously it hits home with, with everybody here. And really what, what I think of is that this could have been anybody. It could have been me, it could have been any of the other thousand officers that are here today. Um, so it strikes home that... Um, 
on any given day, you show up, you try to do your job, and, and something like this could happen, and that's really where it becomes difficult. The difficulty for the police officer's family seated in the front row, unimaginable, but somehow found the strength to leave those seats to talk about the impact Greg had on all of them. He was always making sure that I was in a good place, both mentally and physically, and was always checking to make sure that I was headed in the right direction. Percella's younger brother saying Greg wanted things to be as best as they could. He was humble, generous, funny, and competent. But I think what really separated him from others were his high standards for everything in his life. On Easter weekend, not in uniform, the OPP commissioner told the service he saw an OPP cruiser and pulled over to say hello. It was Constable Pacella who rolled down the window. He had just been granted what we at the OPP refer to as his day wings, one of the most exciting and nerve-wracking days in every provincial constable's career. He asked if we could take a selfie of the two of us which I later came to learn he widely distributed around, and I understand for which he took considerable heat from his peers. And as the service drew to a close, the slain officer's family was presented with his cap. Members of the OPP constable's platoon carrying his casket to his final resting place. Now, two people are under arrest, a man and a woman. They face a charge of first-degree murder. What's not known tonight, what the other officers here want to know, what is the motive? Why did he have to be killed? He was just answering a call for help. Reporting live, I'm Austin Delaney. All right, thank you, Austin. Once again tonight, Toronto Transit riders are wondering just how safe they'll be during their trips along the rocket. This time last night, there was another violent subway attack. This one at the busiest station in the city. CTV's Jenna Goulding has the details and the reaction. The Bloor Young subway station is one of the busiest in the city. And last night during the evening rush, the busiest time of day, a man was pushed onto the tracks. It's always a bit nerve-wracking when you hear about things like this. Definitely very cautious and uh, very fearful when I ride the subway, for sure. Police say the incident occurred at 6.15 p.m. after two men got into an argument. TTC special constables arrested a man and delivered him to Toronto Police, while the person who was shoved was helped off the tracks before a train approached. This just one of a number of alarming violent incidents to take place on TTC property over the last year. I'm actually not riding the subway, to tell you the truth. Um, I live in the area, so I walk everywhere. And if I do need to go somewhere that's a little bit further, I'll take a cab or an Uber. The more you hear about it, the more you're, especially at certain times of day, you're a little bit more uh, wary. Um, if I can, I try not to take it too late at night. On December the 8th, Vanessa Krapuska was stabbed to death by a stranger on the TTC, one of two women attacked at High Park Subway Station. The 31-year-old died of her injuries, while the other victim, a 37-year-old, was treated and released. Meanwhile, in June, Naima Dolma was doused in a flammable liquid on a bus at Kipling Station and set on fire. The 28-year-old would die of her injuries. In April, a woman was pushed onto the tracks at Young and Bloor Station and broke a rib. That same month, a man was stabbed in the neck at St. George Station. Also in April, a 21-year-old international student, Kartik Vasudev, was shot multiple times outside Sherburne Station. He would die in hospital. The TTC says its CEO was part of ongoing meetings with the city's mayor, Toronto police and union representatives to discuss safety and security on the TTC. 
Spokesperson Stuart Green adding, The TTC moves hundreds of millions of customers every year without incident, but we cannot and do not take that for granted. We have recently added more special constable patrols on the subways and we are deploying even more uniformed staff around the system. We are also looking to make further changes and enhancements in the new year. Mayor John Tory said that while the TTC works to increase security, more needs to be done to address mental health and bail reform. Janice Golding, CTV News. And Tuesday's incident at the Bloor Young Station has led to an assault charge, and it's also perhaps timely. Toronto's mayor tonight says he's taking steps to increase security on the city's transit system, adding a boost to the TTC's budget and its staff. Our Sean Leethong is covering that angle for us tonight and joins us now from City Hall. Sean. Well, Michelle and Nathan, one way, according to the mayor, to increase security on the TTC is money. And they'll be upping their, uh, their contribution from the city to the TTC significantly. Entering 2023, the TTC will be getting more money and more resources in the name of public safety. The TTC has to be a safe place for everyone, every rider and for every TTC employee. And that safety has to be 24-7. Mayor John Tory announcing today that he's proposing that the TTC receive a $53 million increase for 2023, up nearly 6% from last year, bringing the city's portion of the total budget to $958.7 million. This is a substantial increase to focus on safety and security on the transit system. A number of recent incidents on the TTC brought safety into focus this past year. The city's investment will see 50 new special constables stationed on the TTC and 10 new streets-to-home outreach workers. This was an undertaking that we first uh, uh, initiated in 2022 to put a small number of streets-to-homes outreach workers on the TTC to help people who are experiencing homelessness and similar issues um, to uh, be uh, given some support. Amalgamated Transit Union Local 113 President Marvin Alfred is welcoming more investment but said in a statement, the increase in conflict and other incidents on the TTC is a direct result of the housing crisis combined with a lack of mental health services. The TTC has ended up filling the gaps in our social safety net. Policing alone can't fix it and streets to homes can't get people into homes that don't exist or are unaffordable. We need a comprehensive safety and security plan that provides real housing solutions and a better way to respond to people in crisis. Beyond safety concerns, the TTC continues to suffer from low ridership compared to pre-pandemic. While the money will come from the city's budget that will be presented next week, there will also be a 10-cent fare increase for riders. The hike will not affect seniors. Also, the city will allow 50,000 more low-income workers to become eligible for the Fair Pass discount program. One area that the mayor talked about as far as their safety strategy is that they will be using data, data from the police that they have collected, and also they'll be working with TTC employees to look at areas where the service may be vulnerable and look for improvement later. Reporting live, I'm Sean Leethong. Nathan, I'll send it back to you. All right, thank you, Sean. Also at City Hall, council said to consider changes to the shelter system amid warnings it's running at capacity. Officials say the system provides support to more than 8,800 people. Several emergency shelters were open to provide more space during COVID-19. A staff report calls for most of those locations to stay open until at least April 2024. But out of the 23 temporary sites in operation, the report says up to five could close this year. It also calls for funding of a dedicated refugee shelter system. City figures show refugees make up 30 percent of current shelter clients. 
Gambling on the safety of your personal information. Sports betting company BetMGM learns of a major hack but tells victims it's still okay to bet on them for privacy. That story just ahead. Here's a look at the city tonight at an empty Nathan Phillips Square. People likely staying dry on another damp evening. Jessica Smith is here with a look at the current conditions. Jessica. Nathan, there's a lot going on in our forecast. For the city of Toronto, we've got heavy rain going on, so not the greatest skating forecast. And for areas a little further east, we've got freezing rain, a little snow to the north, and that's because cooler Arctic air is kind of sinking down just enough to cause that mixing line. For Toronto and the GTA, generally just looking at showers. Heavier right now, even if you embedded thunderstorms making their way through, but that pink line up there, that purple, that is the mixing taking place, so making for some challenging driving conditions. Here in the city of Toronto, it continues through the overnight, but we do get a small reprieve, pretty Pretty soon, gusty winds around those areas. Right now, sitting at three degrees, and you are going to hold on to those positive temperatures. Your full forecast coming up. I'll send it back over to you. All right, thanks, Jessica. An important update now related to a recent data breach that hit a popular sports betting site. CTV News Toronto has learned Ontario gamblers were affected by a hack of BetMGM earlier this year. Our Raheem Ladani joins us in studio with the latest. Raheem. Well, Michelle and Nathan, online sports gambling is often advertised as a fun and safe way to engage in sports. But we can now confirm that some Ontario gamblers were using BetMGM for more than seven months without even knowing their personal information may have been compromised. Game time in 20, that slip is empty. The ads are flashy and fun with plenty of star power. I'm trying to practice here, Wayne. You need it. Yes! But Ontarians using the sports betting website BetMGM are not amused that their personal information may be compromised. Last month, BetMGM announced it had been hacked. Some of its users' real names, home addresses, dates of birth, and scrambled social security numbers had all been stolen. How that information could be weaponized against members of the population. You have uh, identity theft, you have theft of uh, potential credentials. The company says the data breach happened in May 2022, less than two months after it expanded into Ontario. But also that officials were not aware of the hack until the end of November. An apparent hacker posted in the dark web that they were selling the stolen data of more than 1.5 million alleged customers from a number of U.S. states and Ontario. iGaming Ontario oversees online gaming in the province and tells CTV News, while this incident is serious and is being treated as such, the overall integrity of the Ontario-regulated iGaming market is extremely reliable. Anytime a company expands, it's important to understand that cybersecurity and privacy, especially customer privacy, must be front and center. It cannot be an afterthought. This isn't the first gaming cyber attack in Ontario. In 2016, Casino Rama was the victim of a breach where people had their information stolen and a hacker published 14,000 personal files, including employee information and confidential emails. For online gamblers, experts suggest creating a new email address and password, enable multi-factor authentication, and consider using prepaid credit cards. You're not actually putting in your actual credit card information, so there's a breach that's limited to the amount of money that you put in. BetMGM says it is working with law enforcement and taking steps to enhance its security. And a spokesperson for Canada's Privacy Commissioner says they have received a report from MGM and are now reviewing the breach in order to determine next steps, but they're not in a position to provide any additional details at this time. Reporting live, I'm Rahim Ladani. Michelle, I'll send it back to you. Thank you, Rahim.
Two people were sent to hospital with serious injuries after being struck by a vehicle in North York this afternoon. It happened near Dawn Mills in Eglinton just before 3.30. A man in his 30s remains in life-threatening condition. No word yet on the ID of the second person. It's unclear if the driver remained on scene. And police have arrested a person on suspicion of impaired driving after a pedestrian was struck by a vehicle in the West End last night. It happened at Eglinton and Miranda Avenue just west of Dufferin. Police say the victim was taken to hospital with serious injuries. A fifth person is now in custody following a homicide in Hamilton in the fall. On November 10th, police found the body of 38-year-old Danielle Strauss in her apartment. They believe she died a few days earlier. Soon afterwards, a 16-year-old boy and a 15-year-old girl were charged with second-degree murder. Investigators now say a second 16-year-old boy was arrested Saturday at Pearson Airport after returning to Canada. Two women in their 40s faced charges of accessory after the fact. A beautiful playground in Riverdale was suddenly defaced by vile graffiti. Racist and anti-Semitic messages painted where children play, prompting police to investigate the incident as a possible hate crime. CTV Scott Lightfoot reports. Even in the rain, it's a place people come to play. Finn Park is an oasis in the heart of an area of Riverdale known as the Pocket. But over the new year, it was also the site of a vandalism incident. It's now being investigated as a possible hate crime. It's disappointing. It's frustrating. Lanrick Bennett was one of the area residents who saw several racist and anti-Semitic graffiti messages painted across this children's playground. The hateful words and symbols spray painted across a picnic table, a slide, and several different pieces of wood. There's real, like, visceral pain that 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 comes across when, yeah, you know that someone has taken the time to to be angry, to be mean, to be hateful, to be spiteful, um, and that uh, they've put it in such a public space. It wasn't the rain, but rather city staff who washed the graffiti away. And now Toronto police say they're investigating the incident as a suspected hate-motivated offence. Some passing through the park today chalked it up to teenage stupidity, but Bennett says that's no excuse. That's the frustration about hate crimes, that you can wash it off, you can push it aside, but no one wants to have those deep and meaningful conversations to figure out what the heck's going on and why is this happening. Toronto police would like to have a conversation with anyone who has information about the incident, asking them to call 55 Division or Crime Stoppers. Scott Lightfoot, CTV News. The federal government wants to know what was behind the major delays that plagued travelers during the holidays. The chair of the House of Commons Transport Committee is calling for Sunwing Airlines and Via Rail to publicly explain the chaos. Customers of both companies experienced significant disruptions just as the busy holiday travel season got underway, partly because of a winter storm that affected operations in eastern Canada. Tonight, passengers who bought tickets with one of those organizations are demanding even more. And as CTV's John Woodward explains, the result could take the issue beyond Commons to a court. Get us home! Get us home! Sohail Shahidnia was in the crowd at the Cancun airport just before Christmas, outraged their flights had been repeatedly cancelled. As passengers, unsure when a plane would be there for them, huddled outside on the concrete. We are just raising our voice. We just want to get home. This, this is not right. 
He and his family booked another flight and made it home. Many didn't, caught in a whirlwind of flight cancellations, then a continent-wide storm, baggage belt failures at Pearson's Terminal 3, and many empty seats thanks to a digital communications breakdown. Sunwing has said its 43 rescue flights have now brought home anyone who was missed in a tough travel season that also stranded via rail passengers for hours on the tracks. But it continues. Sunwing canceled all flights from Saskatchewan until mid-February, including flights for guests for Ash Perry's wedding in the Dominican Republic on January 19th. I'm, I'm so stressed that I don't know. I don't know what to do. The Liberal MP in charge of the Transport Committee tweeted, I will be convening a meeting of the Transport Committee and will be calling on Via Rail and Sunwing to appear. Canadians deserve answers for the unacceptable delays and cancellations seen over the holiday season. A response that's come too slow for critics. It is the federal government's failure to enforce passenger rights and their failure to enact regulations that are simple and a framework which is simple that have culminated in the current situation. We want to make them hold accountable for the Shahidnia kept in touch with many in the crowd that day, many still waiting for compensation, so they started to band together, looking at a class action lawsuit. It keeps growing. At the moment, we have 700, closer to 750 passengers in our WhatsApp group. He's looking for lawyers to take up the case. John Woodward, CTV News. For a third day in a row, a stretch of the Danforth remains off limits to drivers as crews investigate a gas leak. It happened just before 7 Monday night between Jones and Donald Avenue. Drivers are asked to find alternate routes. The cause of the leak is not yet known. And construction gridlock, also a major issue on the other side of the city, but not in a spot most drivers would think is a real problem. The issue is along a tiny stretch of road near Bathurst and Eglinton. CTV's Andrew Brennan is in the area tonight to explain what's going on. Andrew. Oh, Michelle, Nathan, imagine you take an average commute, 45 minutes in traffic, but then you spend another 45 minutes in the traffic on your little street trying to go at a snail's pace to your driveway. Well, that's what's happening here. It's heavenly. It's just heavenly. It may be a dreary day, but Bonnie Belfer is elated when she looks out from her driveway. The last few days with people on vacation, what has it been like for you? Heaven. But this is a short reprieve from what she calls a nightmare that has lasted since 2011, when ground broke on the Eglinton Crosstown LRT. She has the photos documenting it year after year of drivers using traffic apps like Waze, seeking a shortcut, lining her street for hours on end, stretching down the entire block. She and her neighbors say they feel trapped on their own street, waiting 40 minutes to get the 200 meters from the corner to their driveway. I call my husband when I'm on my way home and I'll say, how bad is the street? And he'll walk and he'll say, oh, it's backed up the whole way. More and more frustration and, and agony on, on that street. Councillor Josh Matlow says neither the city nor Metrolinx had a traffic flow mitigation plan when they first started work. And it's been a hard fight since he was elected to the amalgamated riding in 2018 to get progress. We've been successful in getting Metrolinx to hire traffic wardens starting at Westover Hill to help 
get traffic off their street onto Eglinton and help residents be able to actually get in and out of the neighborhood for the first time in years. But he says more needs to be done. Mayor John Tory agrees. He says he brought a list of requests to Metrolinx on what to do and wants to send a message to traffic apps of the inconvenience their construction redirections are causing. Telling CTV News in a statement, this is simply a case where everyone involved has to do better. And I think he says they are now committed to do so. But Belfer says her neighbors have invited the mayor to witness what they are going through for himself, but he hasn't shown up. On a regular basis, I lose my mind. I say things I'm sorry for. I'll yell at drivers that I shouldn't really even be yelling at. At her wit's end, looking for a way out of the gridlock on the street she calls home. Balfour always tells her husband there's one thing she's looking for to happen in her lifetime. She wants the Maple Leafs to finally win another Stanley Cup. But with the LRT now delayed once again, it's more likely that the former may happen before the latter and she can finally use her driveway unimpeded. At least she thinks so. Reporting live, I'm Andrew Brennan. Nathan, we'll send it back to you inside. All right. Thank you, Andrew. Millions of Catholics around the world are preparing to say goodbye to Pope Benedict. This was the final day of public viewing in St. Peter's Basilica. More than 200,000 people have filed past since Monday to pay their respects to the former pontiff. In St. Peter's Square, workers were busy in preparation for the funeral. Over 60,000 people are expected for tomorrow's service, presided by Pope Francis. The current pontiff paid tribute to Benedict during a packed weekly general audience today. Francis praised his acute and gentle thoughts and drew applause when he opened his remarks by giving a shout out to all those who are outside honoring the late pontiff. In Washington, both sides appear to be digging in their heels in the standoff over who will be the next Speaker of the House. I feel at this time we risk a worse outcome if we cannot unite behind the man that has helped us achieve these substantive reforms. Our job is not to coronate the biggest fundraiser or rubber stamp the status quo or keep on going along to get along. Kevin McCarthy has made it clear he will fight to the bitter end. But the California representative lost a sixth ballot today. Twenty fellow Republicans once again voted for someone else. They believe Mark McCarthy is not conservative enough. The GOP-controlled chamber is now adjourned until 8 o'clock tonight. It was a routine play that abruptly ended the game in a way fans in the stands and those watching at home would likely never forget. At just 24 years old, Buffalo Bills safety DeMar Hamlin suffered a cardiac arrest during Monday night's game against the Cincinnati Bengals. Several players are down on their knees. Other players are holding hands, praying. As Hamlin continues to fight for his life in the ICU, back here at home, many are reflecting on the importance of a quick response during a medical crisis. CTV's John Musselman tells us about a device that allows bystanders to spring into action. Automatic defibrillator. It's a small device, but it can be a lifesaver, an automated external defibrillator. Shock will be delivered in three, two, one. People have a fear, they have a panic, they're not used to jumping into action if someone suddenly collapses and has a cardiac arrest, right? Are they going to think of these machines? Probably not. But if you call 911 and the call taker says, are you doing CPR? Here's your nearest AED. They'll tell you exactly where it is. So that's the purpose of the registry in Bill 141. Roberta Scott is a retired paramedic and the communications spokesperson with the 
AED Foundation of Ontario. Her nonprofit organization is working with the government to make sure thousands of these devices across the province are registered so when an emergency strikes, everyone knows what to do. We've got to get all the information of all the AEDs out there, put it into a database, hook it up with 911, and then get it running. So the sooner that happens, the sooner we can start saving more lives. There are thousands of these units in public places, including 1,500 in City of Toronto facilities like hockey rinks and pools. But not everyone knows where they are or how they work. Right now, the usage in Toronto is around 2%. Uh, provincially, it's less than 4% an AED is used when someone has a cardiac arrest. So what we want to do in terms of awareness is tell people you cannot hurt someone if you're doing CPR, you cannot hurt someone if you're using an AED, but you will help save their life. They're very easy to use. The devices have gathered renewed attention after NFL player DeMar Hamlin collapsed during a game on Monday. An AED helped save local man John Turco's life. The high school teacher from Woodbridge collapsed during a weekly basketball game back in 2017. My friends were smart enough to start CPR right away and then uh, they were smart enough to actually use the AED that was in the school. Uh, they gave me one shock on the floor. AEDs can have a major impact on survivor rates. Take a look at these numbers. Heart and Stroke Research relates that there are approximately 35,000 cardiac arrests in Canada every year. Survival is less than 8%. With CPR, that rate increases to 12%. When combined with an AED, the survival rate triples. John Turco made a full recovery and is now helping the AED Foundation with his story to help save more lives. John Musselman, CTV News. The eyes of millions of hockey fans will be on Halifax tonight. In just a few moments, Canada's junior men's team will renew a historic rivalry for a chance at hockey glory. Slides it again. Canada is facing the United States in one of two semifinals today. The Canucks are coming off a 4-3 overtime win over Slovakia and looking for some redemption. The last time the two sides met at the tournament was in 2021 and the Americans captured gold. In the past decade, only Canada, the U.S. and Finland have won the World Junior Men's title. Plays it back across. Brought in by Kulik. Works it and shoots. And the winner of tonight's game will face Czechia in the final after a nail-biter this afternoon against Sweden. Yuri Kulik scored with less than a minute remaining in overtime, giving his team a 2-1 win over Sweden in the semis. Czechia's last appearance in the gold medal game was in 2001 when they won the championship against Finland. Coming up, police reveal what nearly killed Jeremy Renner, how he ended up in hospital and what the actor himself had to say to fans. And I'm Pat Foran. Coming up on Consumer Alert, British Columbia now has a three-day cooling-off period when you're buying a home. If you change your mind for any reason, you can back out of the deal. Should Ontario consider a similar policy for home buyers here? I'll have my reports just ahead. It's been a soggy mark to the middle of the week, and by the time the system is all said and done getting into tomorrow morning, we could see upwards of 18 millimeters. And around home tomorrow, more rain on the way before it transitions over to a bit of a rain-snow mix. A messy mark for the first full week of January. And stay with us. We've got another full night of great shows for you right here on CTV.
British Columbia has become the first province to require a three-day cooling-off period for buyers after they signed a contract to purchase a home. The move will give added protections when making such a large purchase, and it has some wondering if a similar policy should be implemented in Ontario. Here's Pat Foran and Consumer Alert. Pat. Thanks, Nathan and Michelle. Buying a home is one of the biggest decisions most of us will ever make. And as soon as you sign the contract, there is no cooling off period if you change your mind. Even though now there is in B.C., there may not be much support for the idea in Ontario. Anyone buying a home in British Columbia now has a cooling off period of three business days to think about their decision. The B.C. government says it will offer an additional layer of protection for buyers and realtors will have to warn clients they have three days to change their mind. The cooling off period can help buyers avoid high pressure sales tactics, arrange for a home inspection, give them more time to secure financing and time to be sure the purchase is right for them. During the red-hot real estate market, we heard from people who bought homes during bidding wars and then regretted their decision. Some had to walk away from deals and lost down payments worth tens of thousands of dollars. I'm particularly not a big fan of these cooling-off periods. A professor of real estate management at Toronto Metropolitan University says while a cooling-off period could help those who didn't do their due diligence before signing a contract, he feels it could unfairly allow buyers to make offers on multiple properties. Individuals, buyers may end up putting four or five or more offers simultaneously saying whichever gets accepted and whichever we like, we'll keep that and get out of the others. To prevent abuse of the cooling off period, BC has a cancellation fee of 0.25%. If a $1 million offer was cancelled, the buyer would have to pay the seller a $2,500 penalty. I suspect they brought this in during a hot market. Tim Hudak, CEO of the Ontario Real Estate Association, is against a cooling off period, saying it gives buyers an unfair advantage. You could have somebody, say a speculator that has a lot of money, could put offers on a number of homes simultaneously and then go back and say, I'm going to walk away from this deal unless you lower the price. It may take a year or two to measure the real impact the cooling off period will have on BC's real estate market. And Ontario will be watching how the cooling off period works in BC. There is currently no cooling off period when buying a car in Ontario. There is a cooling off period of 10 days when you sign a contract in your home for most goods and services. On your side, I'm Pat Foran. If you have a consumer story idea, email us at alert at ctv.ca. Christmas may be in the rearview mirror, but one Toronto homeowner is already making preparations for the next one. Multi-platform writer Hannah Alberga spoke with a man who's trying to transform his neighborhood into Whoville, the town featured in Dr. Seuss's The Grinch. You can find full details on what he wants to do on our website at ctvnewstoronto.ca. Now, mm -hmm. Christmas is definitely over, <laughs> but winter isn't, yeah. and it's funny because you wouldn't think so it's been so mild yeah you know it's coming back with a bang the question is when we get through the majority of this week with the rain and the warmer weather but by the time we get to the weekend we'll see that cool down take place so if you're a fan of the snow and all those more typical wintry types of things they are on their way back but for now we're enjoying the warmer weather weather is brought to you by train the most reliable heating and cooling brand it's hard to stop a train 
It's also hard to stop the rain. We have a lot of it going on right now. Heavier showers in and around the GTA. So if you're heading out after you watch the show, of course, we're going to need some of that rain gear uh, because it's going to be continuing for the majority of our evening. The good news, and there is good news with this very gloomy, rainy forecast, it's that we have temperatures on the positive side. This above seasonal trend that carried us through Christmas, it continues as we really settle into the first full week of the new year. We're at three degrees for the city of Toronto right now, but up towards Muskoka about one degree. And that's where we really have that line of cooler air and the potential for some freezing rain is lingering. So for the city of Toronto, we're not under any warnings or watches right now, but it doesn't mean we escape the heavier rain. But to areas south of us, we're looking at that rainfall warning in through Niagara, freezing rain possible in towards Barrie, and that really intensifies as you head east. So if you're driving any where tonight, tomorrow morning, give yourself that extra time. Heavier showers right now in and around the GTA and the Golden Horseshoe. And as we head through the rest of our evening, this will continue pushing its way further and further east. Tonight, dropping down to two degrees, again, remaining well above that seasonal mark. And that's keeping us from having that freezing rain as well because it is so warm. Getting into the day tomorrow, a little cooler. So we'll see the potential for some mixing. But we are sitting at a daytime high of three degrees for the city of Toronto. We should be at minus two. Peterborough, much the same, even down towards Niagara. Everybody holding on to some of this warmth. Now, the bulk of this low was going to be kind of tracking its way further east through the overnight, but we're still dealing with it as we head through the rest of our evening. We have an occluded front. That's that purple line there that pushed its way through, kind of forced all of that heavy, heavy rain as we made our way through the second half of our day. And then as we get into the day tomorrow, we're looking at cooler air over the warmer Great Lakes. It's going to bring some... Uh, the potential for some lake effect snow. Now, as we head through the rest of our evening, by about 9.30, we get a bit of a break from the bulk of the really heavy rain. Getting into the morning tomorrow, not a bad start, just a bit of a cloudy warm up. We're watching for the chance of some wet snow. Because it's going to be that little bit warmer, we're looking at the potential for that mixing as we head throughout the day, but really trace amounts at most, the bulk of it kind of falling in the east end of the city. Getting through our Friday morning, relatively clear, and we will eventually see the system start to break up and move on. But it's not until we get to Saturday and Sunday where we have consistent sunshine. But we stay above season for those daytime highs and overnight lows. We don't really trend back towards where we should be until we get in towards Tuesday of next week. Nathan. Thank you, Jessica. Thanks. Also tonight, actor, actor Jeremy Renner broke his silence from a hospital bed. New de details on the tragic accident that nearly killed the Avengers star. Police are calling it an accident. Jeremy Renner, the Avengers star, run over by his own snowplow. New details reveal it happened while he was trying to help a family member whose vehicle was stuck in the snow. CTV's Andrea Case has the story, and Andrea Renner posted a message about his condition on Instagram. Celebrities and their selfies, yes. After two surgeries, the actor is conscious, stable, and he is talking. But it will be a long road to recovery. It was the update fans of Jeremy Renner were waiting for, a picture from his hospital bed. The two-time Oscar nominee dictated and posted a message. Thank you all for your kind words. I'm too messed up now to type, but I send love to you all. First words from the actor after an incident on New Year's Day near his Tahoe home. We do not believe Mr. Renner was impaired. We do not suspect any foul play. We believe this was a tragic accident. This machine weighs six and a half tons and is what he used to pull a relative out who was stuck on a private road and clear the way for others after the area received three new feet of snow. Washoe County Sheriff Darren Balam. I was speaking to him. He noticed that the piston bully is what we call it as the snowplow started to move. He went to go back into the uh, snowplow to stop it. 
uh, at which point a family member and witnesses say they kind of saw him getting getting to the cab and then he disappears uh, and then later uh, is found on the middle of the road as the snow cat passed him uh, and it ran him over. Neighbors came to his assistance with towels to stop the bleeding to his leg. Emergency crews could not reach him due to the amount of snow and as many as 30 cars were stuck in it blocking the road. It took a helicopter over 40 minutes to get to the 51-year-old and transport him to hospital. His injuries include blunt chest trauma and orthopedic injuries. Authorities say he was able to speak when first responders arrived. What's he doing? I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die comfortable. Renner's screen credits include The Hurt Locker and as Hawkeye in the Marvel films and the self-titled series. The divorced father of a nine-year-old built a home in Tahoe in 2019 and is well-known in the community, where he was made an honorary deputy sheriff. He has a huge impact. Um, those kids that he touched during Shop with the Sheriff, uh, he showed up and shop with our kids. Um, I can guarantee they will never forget that moment that they got. He has made a tremendous impact on this community. Okay, here's a little-known fact. Before he achieved fame as an actor, Renner was a mall fragrance model and a makeup artist. Now, many of his superhero co-stars have posted messages of support and wishes for a full recovery. Police say the piston bully, I've said that word many times today, I now know what it is, will be impounded and will be checked for any mechanical issues. Reporting live, I'm Andrea Case. Michelle, I'll send it back to you. Thanks for the update, Andrea. Canadian Jeopardy! champ Ray Lalonde has reached the end of his winning streak. Was he correct with Isabel Allende? He knew it was Allende. He will add, he bet it all as well. You have $24,000, and now you, sir, have the lead. Everyone got the final Jeopardy correct, but Lalone's total was a few hundred dollars short of graduate student Lloyd Tsai. Still, the Toronto-based artist is going home with nearly $400,000 U.S., or well over half a million Canadian in winnings. Stars Tonight is brought to you by Lastman's Bad Boy. Who's better? Nobody. After the break, Shopify takes aim at unproductive meetings. Why the Canadian e-commerce firm is starting out the year with a calendar purge. Beat the January blues. Tomorrow on CP24 Breakfast. How to boost your mood and well-being during the dark days of winter. CP24 Breakfast, where Toronto gets its everything every morning. Greg died a hero. And he lived as an inspiration. Updating our top stories, a funeral was held today for murdered OPP Constable Greg Fershala. Police and Armed Forces members were among those in attendance to pay their respects to the officer killed on December 27th. Two people have been charged in his death. This announcement today was a beginning and not an end of resources we will deploy on the transit system to make sure that people who need support get it, but also so that the passengers feel safe. An additional $53 million is being budgeted for the TTC this year to improve safety on the transit service. The announcement comes a day after a man was pushed onto the subway tracks at Bloor Young Station following an argument. The suspect's facing an assault charge in connection with the incident. Anytime a company expands, it's important to understand that cybersecurity and privacy, especially customer privacy, must be front and center. Ontario users of BetMGM are expressing concern after their data was accessed in a hack of the popular betting app. The breach happened in May, but BetMGM says it was unaware of the leak until November. It's unclear exactly how many people are impacted. 
On the markets, the loonie was up just over a cent to 74.18 U.S. Oil closed at 72.84 U.S. a barrel, and the TSX ended the day at 19,588. If you're sick of spending time in meetings that don't seem to achieve much, you might be interested in a new policy at Shopify. Bloomberg reports the Canadian e-commerce giant is carrying out what it calls a calendar purge. All recurring meetings with more than two people have been called off, with large meetings only allowed once a week. Wednesdays will also remain a meeting-free day. Shopify believes staff will be able to get more done as a result. The battle over Rogers' proposed takeover of Shaw will head to federal court this month. The Competition Bureau is appealing a decision from the Competition Tribunal to let the $26 billion deal go forward. A hearing is scheduled for January 24th. The purchase also needs approval from the federal industry minister, who says he won't weigh in until the court process is done. Rogers and Shaw are hoping to finalize the takeover by the end of the month. The Raptors are set to hit the hardwood tonight in a high-stakes game against the Milwaukee Bucks. And the Indiana Pacers have won four consecutive. The Raptors coming off a Monday loss against the Pacers. The team is 16-21 and 21 and in 12th place in the East. But the squad starts a long homestead tonight, hoping to turn the season around. Tip-off is at 7.30. Tonight, where arts and activism intersect. She marks her place with intelligence and grace. From poetry to singing to writing, the multi-talented Halifax teenager on an extraordinary mission. Later on CTV National News. Get Toronto's top stories, breaking news alerts, and watch live. Download the CTV News app. I'm Zoraida Allman. Coming up, TTC fares set to rise for the first time in three years as the commission looks to increase safety for riders. And thousands attend the funeral for murdered OPP Constable Greg Kershala. Details tonight at 11.30. Let's back to the forecast. How are things looking for tomorrow? Not bad. We're still holding on to some messy weather, but there is some light on the horizon in the way of sunshine, finally. It's been kind of a, a messy start to the first full week of January, but we do have sunshine on the way this weekend. Rain right now, that continues for the city of Toronto, the GTA, and a good portion of southern Ontario. But as we head into the day tomorrow, it will start to break up a little. We're still watching for the chance of a rain-snow mix, but overall, we are trending towards a little sunshine, finally. Temperature-wise, right now, still sitting at 3 degrees for the city of Toronto. Comfortable, but you factor in a little bit of a wind chill and it's going to feel cooler than that. Tomorrow morning, a little rainy, a little bit of a rain-snow mix, but overall not a bad way to get through the end of the week and sunshine on the way for the weekends. Thank you, Jessica. And now be sure to join Omar Sachedina tonight at 11 for CTV National News, followed by Zoraida Allman with our next local newscast at 11.30. And our coverage continues anytime on CP24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca. For Jessica Smith and all of us here at CTV News, thank you for watching and have a good night. And we leave you now with more from today's funeral for OPP Constable Greg Prashala. Provincial Constable Greg Pichella. Amazing grace. A tragedy. Oh, how an injustice. An incomprehensible loss. It is a far, far better rest that I go to than I have ever known. Greg died a hero. And he lived as an inspiration.